Now, we have had income tax here in Canada for what, a little over 100 years now. It was started back in 20, 20, 1917, I should say, to help finance the First World War. And in fact, for the first years, fewer than 10% of the population actually had to pay income tax. Why? Well, because of all the high dollar exemptions that they had there, it was meant primarily as a tax on the wealthy. Well, clearly that has dramatically changed, right, over the decades. But the argument and the debate has continued. Should wealthy people be taxed more and at a higher rate? And today it's really more about the uber wealthy, right? But let's talk about that argument. Dr. Tom Mallison is an associate professor of social justice and peace studies at Western University and joins us now. Dr. Mallison, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Is it time, do you think, to revive this discussion about, you know, the uber wealthy paying more taxes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we live in a time when we have this new phenomenon of not just rich people that have always existed, but super uber rich people, you know, Elon Musk, who has $270 billion, or in Canada, David Thompson, who has seven, uh, roughly $73 billion. So the income tax is great. We need an income tax. We should have an income tax that taxes rich people at higher rates, but by itself, it's inadequate. Imagine, for example, if we had a 100% income tax, we're not going to get that, but imagine just for a second. And someone like David Thompson was spending, I don't know, $100 million a year, it would still take 770 years for his wealth to be reduced to normal amounts. An income tax by itself doesn't cut it to deal with this new phenomenon of super rich people with mountains of wealth. We need a new tool to deal with the new problem. And I think that tool is the wealth tax. Okay. And so I guess the question here is, what do we consider wealthy? Yeah, so, you know, there's no there's no um, specific line about what that is. But I think that the important point to keep in mind is that over the last 40, 45 years, um, we've seen a real takeoff of inequality. So the key fact to keep in mind that, you know, everyone should know is that in the, the median male worker today, is actually making less money in real inflation-adjusted terms than in 1973. That's a crazy thought, right, that our economies have almost doubled in productivity. We have much better technology. Our economies are much more productive. And yet regular people are not doing any better, right? So where has all that extra wealth gone? Well, it's basically all been vacuumed upwards. Like today, the 1% in the U.S. make about $1.3 million each. The average CEO makes 351 times more than the average worker. So that's where we really need to focus, the top 1% and even more so the top 0.1%. Is there an appetite, do you think, for doing that today? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it's clear and clear that um, as inequality grows, you know, this is not an abstract problem. It creates terrible problems for society. Inequality is a cancer on the body of the community. It, it has all kinds of problems. Maybe I'll just quickly mention the worst ones. It's bad for our environment, right? We know that the richest emit far more than anyone else. The richest 20 people emit 80,000, sorry, 8,000 times more carbon than the poorest 1 billion people combined. Inequality is bad for our democracy, right? The more that the rich and powerful have money, the more that our society is 
distorted into an uh, oligarchy. It's bad for opportunity. You know, in a uh, inequality makes a mockery of the idea of equal opportunity. You know, in Canada, uh, we have nothing like equal opportunity. Indigenous people have 2.7 times a higher high school dropout rate. They have double the unemployment, 10 times the incarceration rate. There are 71 Indigenous communities that don't even have clean drinking water. It was nothing like equal opportunity. But here's the thing, Dr. Mallison, is it we can do that, we can collect more money. But I think what frustrates a lot of Canadians is that how do we know that the money is going to go to those areas that you just specified where it's actually needed? Because we've had money, governments have had money. That doesn't mean they spend it where we want them to spend it. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's part of the problem, right? That you absolutely you have to have high taxes and we have to ensure that governments spend it the way we want it. And we have to ensure that rich people pay it. Right. So whenever we're talking about high taxes, you can't just say, like, let's have you know, a higher tax without also saying, how are we going to ensure that rich people pay the taxes? Because rich people have always um, tried to avoid and evade their taxes and they always will. And so we need to be having more forthright, transparent conversations about how do we actually uh, force the rich to comply? And here, too, the answers are pretty commonsensical like we've had lots of experience of how to actually get the money you know you do things like you have you hire more auditors you have um stiffer penalties for people who are who are cheating on their taxes right at the moment when rich people cheat on their taxes they basically just get a slap on the wrist imagine if there were more severe penalties and and you know you actually saw people fail like you would see a massive decline in that kind of tax fraud. And so we have the two, we know what the tools are to ensure that rich people actually pay their taxes. But would we actually see that decline? That's what I wonder, because we also know that with this particular category as well, they have the ability to find the ways to not pay taxes. So they will, will this not also give them more incentive to avoid that? Yeah, um, it would, it gives them lots of incentive to avoid it, but rich people always have that. You know, um, I was just reading the other day about a rich New Yorker who was so upset about tax rates. And he was saying, you know, if they raise taxes, rich people are going to leave. The year was uh, 1893, I think. And he was complaining about an a income tax of 2%. <laughs> the rich always will complain. They'll always howl and protest. Um, and, yeah, they have incentives to try and avoid. But we know what to do to prevent that. We do things like... Um, have third-party reporting. So that means that um, banks and money managers automatically share the information about your money with the tax services, Canada Revenue Agency. That happens for regular people today. So I'm a professor. Every year, my university just automatically sends the information of my income to CRA, right? Then that, when you do that, the evidence shows that you get very little avoidance, right? Because it just happens automatically, and um, rich people don't have that. So there's no reason why we couldn't have third party reporting for everybody. Right. And yet you would find, I think, Dr. Mallison, that even people who would not consider themselves wealthy sometimes seem reluctant to say, yes, let's do that, because maybe they'll be wealthier one day. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think that's that's true. Um, how do you fight that? How do you how do you tell them? Yeah, no, you're probably not going to be wealthy one day. Like, how do you reason with people? Well, I think on the one hand, you point out just that the empirical reality that most people actually 
will not be wealthy. Uh, we actually have less social mobility now than we did 30, 40 years ago when we had higher taxes, right? So if you actually want to live in a society um, where there is a genuine opportunity for people to move up, if you want to live in a society that has higher taxes and better public services, you know, if like Canadians and Americans want to start living the American dream and not just dreaming it, you want to move to Denmark or Sweden, right? Places that actually have uh, free education and things like that make it easy to move up. Um, so the other thing to say about that is like, you know, even if an individual does become rich, what about the rest of us? Like we live in a society, we live in a community. How can we be okay with a situation where David Thompson has $73 billion and there are 30,000 of our neighbors sleeping on the street? It's, it's totally inhumane. We could tax David Thompson 0.5% of his wealth, 0.5% of his wealth. He would not even notice and we would abolish homelessness. Hmm. So, you know, that to me is like, there's, a, there's like the moral impetus between, behind all of this, which I think is that we all have a right to live decent, flourishing lives and we should redistribute taxation to make that uh, possible. Well, thanks for the discussion this morning. Appreciate that. Thanks so much.